0: Welcome to part three of this week's lecture. This time we are going to focus on five models of interdisciplinary integration. Now before we actually speak about the models themselves, I want to give you a brief overview of the theoretical construct of how all of these integrated models were built. In his book entitled Christ and Culture, H. Richard Niebuhr, presented five different views of the way in which Christ is at work in the cultures of the world. These views represent different beginning points for understanding how the living spirit of Christ is at work, and how we can better understand the nature of the authority of Christ and his impact on culture. The first in this typology is Christ against culture, which really is an either-or view Meaning, we either are of the world or not of the world. We are either with Christ or against Christ. This will represent the enemy's view of integration. A second type is Christ of culture. Where Christ is viewed as assimilated into the culture. Whatever cultural expression of the work of Christ is the reality of Christ to that culture. Next, We have the Christ above culture, that is an above and approach, in which you can have this private devotion to Christ and at the same time be a very worldly person in another compartment of your life. Fourth, we have the Christ and culture paradox, two kingdoms striving to be predominant, which is another version of compartmentalized faith. Lastly, we have Christ the transformer of culture where true conversion and real change is possible. There is a long-standing struggle between Christians and those coming from a worldview of science that goes back hundreds of years. This is the first paradigm, Christ against culture, the notion that people are either of the world or not of the world. Adherents line up on either side of the room to champion either the perspective of psychology and the secular worldview, or the perspective of Christianity. On this slide, there's a table that compares the thinking between these two perspectives. On the secular side, we list the father of modern psychology, Sigmund Freud, who saw religion as being the same thing as a neurosis. He felt that individual and organized religion were not realities in and of themselves, but really an inappropriate way of coping with problems, hence a neurosis. Then we have Albert Ellis, a more recent psychologist who went from being very negative towards any form of religion to eventually holding the position that religion is okay as long as we don't get too carried away with it. Now his sense was that religion becomes a neurosis or illness when people are too devoted to God so that it becomes an overcompensation or a way to hide from their problems. The belief behind this viewpoint is the basic assumption that scientific thinking and religious commitment are simply not compatible. So they focus strictly on the personality or on the care of the psyche of the person and then reject and seek to eradicate the influence of the Christian faith in counseling and the practice of psychology. In the second column, we find Christian believers, such as J. Adams, the father of New Thetic Counseling. As mentioned in an earlier lecture, this is a form of counseling that relies exclusively on the Bible for guidance with clients. Adams does not think of his way as therapy but prefers the term biblical counseling. Martin and Deidre Bobgan are two writers who also support the Christian point of view and have coined the term psychoheresy, referring to a psychological worldview that they see as competing with Christianity. John MacArthur is a third Christian believer who speaks of the rival gospel of psychology or a neo-gnosticism. For these thinkers, Christian counseling should be limited to the care of the soul. They believe that God's word is sufficient for all of our needs, and that psychology in all of its forms should be rejected and eradicated from Christian practice. For each side holding a Christ against culture point of view, you can see that they do not leave much room for integration, do they? So we want to be careful in how we do Christian counseling that uses psychological principles and how we can get past this sort of philosophical impasse. On the opposite extreme, we have those who hold a Christ of culture perspective in which they see Christian belief as being completely and totally assimilated into the culture. They see themselves as living in a parallel universe. One author speaks of people with the Christ of culture point of view as being spies or colonialists in their view of integration. These spies would be those who have a psychological worldview and predominantly use material from their psychological or scientific practice, then cherry pick material from the Bible and from Christian faith that they find useful. So a spy can have this worldview and use biblical material without ever believing the Christian faith or the teachings of Jesus. For example, before the advent of psychology, Thomas Jefferson created and later published what was known as the Jefferson Bible, in which he kept those sayings of Jesus that he considered to be useful and got rid of the rest of the Bible that he did not understand or like. He was a spy in terms of cherry-picking material from the Bible for his own use. Carl Jung and Eric Fromm would be two more good examples of those who from the scientific world have borrowed from biblical principles for psychological purposes. Norman Vincent Peale would be a Christian leader who provides a good example for this worldview when he created his best-selling book, The Power of Positive Thinking. He took parts from Christian teaching and applied them psychologically as a way of helping an individual, but without great concern for the larger context of the use of those materials. From the spies paradigm, experience is the starting point and there really is not a serious consideration of the whole picture or taking into account the context of various data points along the way. Now the companions to the spies are the colonialists. These are Christians who use psychological principles in the context of biblical counseling while thinking in terms of God's word as the lens for God's book of works, and borrow from psychology to make the points they wish to make. Welsh and Paulison, considered to be new New Thetic thinkers, would be good examples of this type. This means that when helping people with their counseling problems Their understanding is based on the Bible, but then they apply psychological principles as a way of describing the needs of clients. The criticism of these folks is that they deal with the temptation to use psychological findings without scientific research methods, but are making an assumption that their point of view is always right. Christ and Culture and Paradox, Two Kingdoms, is a model in which there is a sharp segregation between science and faith, or a compartmentalized approach. They see the Christian faith as having a distinct relationship to psychological processes, but not so much interactive or dynamically involved with the psychological ways of understanding the needs of people. Instead, there is a sharp separation of people into their spiritual component and into their psychological component. It is here that you find language such as, faith is a private matter. Regarding Christ above culture, very often in this neutral paradigm, there is a lack of effort made for the holistic treatment of individuals. Gordon Alport is a good example of this kind of psychological neutrality, in which they are not hostile to religion, but take an instrumental view of it all. Now the fifth model is Christ, the Transformer of Culture, which we can also call the Allies Paradigm. This group looks for an alliance between psychology and those who are coming from the Christian perspective with the goal of transforming individuals through the power of Christ, the Transformer of Cultures. These individuals believe that the truth of God is found in both God's Word and God's works. For allies, the conflicts between psychology and Christianity are not differences between the two worldviews or disciplines, but problems arising when practitioners fail to approach opposing or different ideas with openness and diligence, desiring unity, and seeking genuine integration. They believe that open interaction between different perspectives is the only way to do the best we can for our clients. They also understand that true integration is a disciplined enterprise involving elements of diagnosis, of interventions that we must address in the counseling relationship, and both the interpersonal and the interdisciplinary identity of the counselor. This concludes the lecture for this week. Take time to review the slides again and make notes on what you've learned involving integration.